0: a strange thought this week. So what? So what? Well, well, just one? And with me there's multiple of strange thoughts. One of them I'm really thankful this morning. I am thankful for a lot of things. I'm thankful that even though you knew I was going to be speaking again, you still came back. So thank you for that. <laughs> That's always a great encouragement to see that you still came back. Uh, oh, hi John. How are you? There's John Cohen back there. <laughs> The other strange thought that I had, oh, well, praise God. We just prayed for you, and we're so happy that you're here. Yay. Hey. For those listening to the older recording, this kibble's just entered the building. So. <laughs> so, so. so, Mike and Sheila, I was just about to say the strange thoughts that I have. And here's one of the strange thoughts that I had today, this week. Do you know we're all dented? We all have dents. We're not as smooth as we used to be. We're not as smooth as we would like to be. We have dents. We have dents because some of the decisions we made, some of the choices we made, and some of the ways that maybe we disobeyed God in the past. At least for me, this is true. We have dents because we bounce off of other people who have dents. And it seems that life is a huge denting mechanism. We, have, it, we go through life and this is, it just causes dents. Life has an impact on us.
1: Somebody ran into my van yesterday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, and when it comes to cars, you know, it takes a lot to get rid of a dent. Sometimes you've got to pop it out. Sometimes you've got to bang it out. And then you've got to sand it. And then you've got to buff it. And then you've got to repaint it. It's not easy to get rid of a dent. Sometimes you've got to replace the whole panel. If you're like me, when I dented my van, you had to replace the whole side of the van, practically. <laughs> what does that have to do with obedience? Well, we're going to need God's help to find out today. So let's pray. Father, thank you. That you're, you're the great dents remover. You know where our dents are. And you know how to smooth them out. Thank you that you speak life into our dents. To the places where life has impacted us in such a manner that there's a wound. There's a sore spot. There's a a part of our lives that needs restoration. And you know those areas and you want to speak to them even today. So we accept this, that today is the day of our salvation in this, that you come to speak to us today. So I ask, I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and that you will empty me of me and fill me with you so that your words are the words that everyone hears and everyone remembers and everyone walks out of here different because they heard your words today. That's what we all pray for. I need to hear your words. We all need to hear your words today. Words that bring life to us in a new way. So we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you just head towards 2 Kings for me, please? Go to 2 Kings. I was, just, I was going to tell you to go to Hezekiah, but there isn't a book called Hezekiah, believe it or not. But we're going to, have to read about Hezekiah. So go to 2 Kings and see what chapter should I tell you to go to because that would be really helpful. I could help you guess and see where your spiritual discernment is. But let's go to 2 Kings and chapter 18. And uh, hold there. Hold there for a minute. We're going to get there. I want to read you something today. I want to read you a, a psalm. I want to read you a psalm that's a modern day psalm. A psalm that I think King David would absolutely identify with. This psalm speaks to where we are today. I think in a lot of ways. See if you can recognize this modern-day song. Desperado. Why don't you come to your senses? You've been out riding fences for so long now. Oh, you're a hard one. I know you've got your reasons, but these things that are pleasing you can hurt you somehow. Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy. She'll beat you if she's able. You know, the Queen of Hearts is always your best bet. Now, it seems to me that some, some fine things have been laid on your table, but you only want the ones that you can't get. Desperado, you, oh, you ain't getting younger. Your pain and your hunger, they're just driving you home. And freedom? Oh, freedom. Well, that's just some people talking. Your prison is walking through this world all alone. Don't your feet get cold in the wintertime? The sky won't snow and the sun won't shine. It's hard to tell the nighttime from the day. You're losing all your highs and lows. Isn't it funny how the feeling goes away? Desperado. Why don't you come to your senses? Come down from your fences and open the gate. It may be raining, but there's a rainbow above you. You better let somebody love you. Before it's too late. That's a great psalm. I realize it's not scriptural, it's not biblical, but that's a great psalm. It's a song. It's a song where someone's heart is. The word desperado is an interesting word. The word desperado is, is a Spanish word, and in the middle of that word, the part of it means to stop. And the word originates from. It's come to me, and it's come to me that someone without hope. But really what the word has come from, back when, when the Spanish Empire uh, controlled Mexico, they made a highway called the Royal H- Highway. And in order to get through anywhere, you had to go down this highway. But in order to travel on this highway, you would have to stop at certain points of, of the road to pay a toll. They were, they were military outposts that they used to collect money from the people that wanted to travel on this road so what people would do obviously they would go around the checkpoints to avoid paying the toll so they became known as the people who will not stop desperados it took on a connotation of those who break the law those who run away from checkpoints those who refuse to pay a toll And the truth is that There are areas of our life that we've been out riding fences for way too long. We've just been out there way too long trying to mend stuff on our own. Trying to fix things on our own. There are areas of our life that we need to come to our senses about. We need to let someone love us. And freedom, well, you know what? That's not just someone talking. We're talking about God the Father talking about freedom. That's not just somebody. That is somebody. That is the only buddy that can speak to us about freedom this morning the only one that can. It's the only one that can bring us in from riding the fences and bring us as in into his heart, into his home in order to speak life to it. We need to come to our senses and I think we need to understand what obedience is a little bit more. So, let's go to that wonderful book of Second Kings. Chapter 18. Let's just read a little blurb about King Hezekiah. Starting in verse 15. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. That's an amazing statement. Think of all the kings before him. King David, for one. Think of the kings after him. King Solomon, for one. Two pretty, high-influential kings of the, of the Jewish people. And it says Hezekiah, he was, he was basically all by himself. Why? Because he held fast to the Lord. Remember, we talked about holding fast to God. Holding fast to his commandments. But he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him. But he kept the commandments that the Lord commanded him. And the Lord was with him. And wherever he went out, he prospered. Wherever he went out, he prospered because of his obedience. Sorry?
2: Oh, I'm sorry. 2
0: Kings 18. Oh, did I, what verse did I say? I'm sorry. I said, I said 15, but it's actually verse 5. I'm sorry. You know why? Because there's a little annotation right there that says 1. And I, in my poor eyesight, I saw 15. Oh, there. No, it looks like 5 now. Okay. Verse 5. Sorry. Everybody with me now? Boy, I feel sorry for you. You're being obedient. Good. Wherever he went out, he prospered. A couple chapters later, the prophet Isaiah is coming to Hezekiah, and he says, he's, it's time for you to go. It's time for you to die. Get your house in order. Hezekiah prays for some more time on the planet, and God grants him 15 more years. Wow. Wow. Is that all because of obedience? I think it's because he's got something more than just towing the line here. There's something more about that Hezekiah has going on. And I think it's all about knowing the God that he serves so well. So, okay. So I had this question. I started to read that. Okay, so then... What's the first step of obeying God? See, It it goes on in in a few verses. Among that, he said he removed the high places. Okay? He broke the pillars and he cut down the Azareth. a was a pole that people used to worship. Okay? And this is very interesting. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. Even the things of God, they started to worship more than the God that made the things for them, for a blessing. It got askew. See, this is where obedience can kind of get screwed if we don't know who we are really worshiping, who we are really following. All right. So, some more strange thoughts. I'm thinking about this question. What's the first step? How do we obey God then? How do we obey God? So if you're like me, you did this. You Googled it. That real spiritual tool called Google. And I'm asking God, okay, you want me to Google how to obey you, okay? Why is that? Well, obviously, when you Google something, some subject, you get pages upon pages of, of information. Some of it's relevant to what you're what you're looking for and some of it can be really kind of just really out there. But anyways, I found these sites. Listen to these sites. Okay? I found this one. How to obey God. Six steps. <laughs> this is the best part. With pictures.
1: <laughs> six
0: steps. And only six. And in case you don't really know how to do it, we got pictures. I didn't look to see what those scriptures were, but... Okay, here's the next one. Not only we find a sight in six steps, now we've got 87 reasons to obey God. (laughs) Why they couldn't round it up to 90, I don't know. But 87 reasons to obey God. Only 87. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. Alright, here's another one. Five, five. Selfish reasons to obey God. Five Selfish Reasons to Obey God. So I suppose we could add how to obey God like King Hezekiah. We could come up with a list, I'm sure. We could spend the rest of our morning and say, okay, what did exactly the King Hezekiah do to to be obedient? I suppose we could do that. And it would probably be a good exercise. And I suggest that maybe that you do that. You just look into the story to see if you can find more about it. But that's not what we're going to do. We can read all these lists. We can Google together. None of you guys got enough devices to share this morning. We can look through these things and see what the 87 reasons are, what the five selfish reasons are, what the six reasons are, what pictures are, and we can discuss them for the rest of our time together. Or we could talk about how to fall in love with God again. Or we could spend our time talking about how to fall in love with God again. And again, and again, and again, until our last breath on this planet, we continuously find ourselves in a place of falling in love with this great lover of our souls. Because I believe, again, that a life of obedience is a life of love. It is a life of love. we got to let someone love us. And we got to fall in love with this God. I want to read this. I wrote this some time ago, but it seems to fit right in with this. Loving a righteous God, a holy God, a God of unmatched glory and majesty, with unbridled power and strength. Loving this God is essential for a human heart. For loving Father God is the only way possible, the only chance for a human heart to obey his commands. It's the only chance we've got to be able to really obey him, to really follow him with everything that we are. The only way it's possible is to love this God. And to know this God, experiencing life in and through him, gives us the ability and the desire to please him with all that we have. God's impartation of His Spirit into our hearts is the relational glue that helps us stick to His heart, to His plans and His commands. I'm talking about our whole heart here. See, one of the things that King Hezekiah prayed when he asked God to extend his life, he says, You know I have followed you with my whole heart. Not divided. Not... Even a part of it centered on something else. Hezekiah loved God with his whole heart. It's possible for a human being to do this. Jesus was a human being. Jesus was a man. And Jesus loved the Father with his whole heart. It is possible for us to do the same. It is possible for us to do the same and to be good at it. Someone go to John four thirty four for me. John four thirty four. If you got it, read it out loud, really loud if you
1: Jesus said to them, My food is doing the will of Him who sent me, and finishing the work he has given me. Don't you say, four months more, and then comes the harvest. When I tell you to open your eyes and look at the fields, they are gleaming white. All ready for the harvest.
0: How far you want to go? That's good. Yep. To me, it is the life of Jesus that we, that we really get the picture of how to relate to Father God. And remember, we said before that how we view obedience has a lot to do with how we see Father in heaven. We talked about that. What I love about this verse, I love that it's at the end of one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible, with Jesus with the, the Samaritan woman at the well. It's one of the most awesome stories in the, in, in the Bible for me. It speaks so much. But at the end of this, you know, these disciples still don't have a clue, and they, they want the master to eat, and he's talking about bread, and he's talking about this, and he says that, my food, my energy, my drive, my passion, my fuel, that which keeps me alive is obeying the Father. Is fulfilling what the Father has given me to do. That which keeps me alive, which brings me life itself, is obeying the Father. How much did He love Father God? That substance to Him was not just food and drink, but being so connected to the Father's heart that it drove everything, every part of His body, to be obedient. Every, every part of his spirit, every part of his will, he was able to be obedient to Father God. My food, my energy, my drive, my passion, my fuel, that which keeps me alive is obeying the Father. That's just awesome stuff to me. So, instead of trying out a new list of ways to be obedient... Maybe we just need to surrender our hearts to a journey of loving Him deeper. So how do we love this God more? And I came up with these kind of two thoughts simmering around my brain. And I know that's a dangerous place. But this... By remembering... By remembering what God has done in your life. Returning to that first love moment, again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Remembering that moment. When you heard Master's voice for the very first time, when it spoke to your heart, convinced you of your sin, but more than even that, convinced you of how much He loved you in spite of that sin. Returning to that place over and over again makes us fall deeper in love with him over and over again. It's essential. It's the fuel, it's the drive, it's the passion that helps us obey this great God who loves us desperately. And the other thing I thought about is something that Mike touched about it during worship time was Worship. Worship makes us fall in love with God. Because it takes our eyes off of this, the (laughs) dents, and the people who dented us. And it gets the eyes centered on the God who loves us. And all of a sudden we are lost in wonder and we fall in love again. We fall in love again. So, we need to remember, we need to worship this great king so that we can have a chance of truly following him and obeying him. It's love. It has to be love that does this to us. It has to be. So, one more time into the fray. Are you ready? I have some questions talking about remembering do you remember what it was that drew your heart to the Father to Jesus do you remember it do you remember that moment I remember mine can I share mine real quick talking about this with a friend yesterday having coffee. And God was so dear to me. He brought something out of my memory banks that I had long forgotten. I've shared this story before. First time I walked into a church, I didn't even know what a church was. I was seven years old, went to a kid's crusade, kind of like a BBS, and found all these people talking about Jesus. It was amazing. Because prior to that, if you remember, My father used the name Jesus Christ so often as a a swear word. I didn't know that this was a person. I didn't know that. I just thought, when I walked into this church and people were saying Jesus Christ all over the place, I was thinking these people were swearing. Okay, I'm really confused. I'm seven years old. Don't know what's going on. But as the night went on, more and more, I realized that, oh no, no, they're talking about someone. This is someone's name. This is someone's name. And since it was a a kid's crusade, people were popping out of doors everywhere. You know, as different characters, you know, telling Bible stories. I didn't know what a Bible was, so I didn't know what they were saying. But it was all kind of fascinating to me. And I sat there and watched all these things happen. And as the night got along, I said, Oh, they're they're teaching about this person, Jesus, that they're mentioning. Oh, this is really cool. When's he going to pop out? I genuinely thought that by the end of the night... Jesus Christ was going to be there. He was going to come out of one of those doors. And I was going to be able to go and and touch him. And meet him. This man that they've been saying that loves me desperately. I was getting really excited. As a seven-year-old, I'm, seven-year-old boys are excited anyway. With someone in my mind instead of a seven-year-old body, that's really crazy stuff. I was excited. I was up. I was standing up most of the time. And people, you know, you got to sit down, get away, get away. You know, and finally they had the altar call. I didn't know what altar call. I didn't know what altar was. But they called me down. Say, you want to be Jesus Christ and have him as your personal savior come down to the front. Well, I'm expecting, I'm getting down there and Jesus Christ is going to be there in person. You know what? He was. He was. My life has never been the same since. It wasn't easy. There's was two years of abuse I went through, even after becoming a Christian. Hmm. Years of rebellion, even after becoming a Christian. But I remember that, and God was so precious to me yesterday to bring that thing out that, you know what? He was there. Now, I didn't see him, but I saw him in the lives of the people that were there that were willing to bring a young seven year old to church in order to meet Jesus Christ. So I remember. And all that remembers yesterday. made me fall in love with Jesus more again. So. Do you remember the moment? What was it that drew? What was it that drew your heart to him?
1: The love relationship that my wife had with the Lord drew me to the Lord.
0: Jesus through her. Because I saw the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And it was bigger than me or my thoughts. Mm. What does that to your heart now? makes me cry, fills up my heart to overflowing mm. with love for, for the Lord because he saved me.
1: Mm. Well Jay, you probably you've heard this before, so we'll give the brief part. Uh, I was 31, sitting beside a river having sold everything I owned, resigned from my job at a fortune 500 company. And I was going to take my life in a river because I could not continue on. I'd been married and divorced three times by the time I was 30. Had a younger brother who kept saying, I needed Jesus Christ. And I would tell him, Mark, I'll knock you flat if you tell me about Jesus one more time. And he gave me a small Bible to take. And on that particular day, as I could no longer walk to the Rocky Mountains, which is where I was headed, from New York, uh, the presence of that Bible irritated my butt (laughs) as I sat on a rock, and I pulled that Bible out. And although Jesus was my very last choice in all the world, Mm. the moment I asked, he came. Mm. The moment. Mm.
0: See, when you share your your testimonies, I fall in love with this God more.
3: You know, for me it was very different because it was a very gradual process over many, many years. When mm-hmm. I was growing up with my biological parents, um, there was a lot of instability and chaos. And I remember going to Mass with my best friend and... There was something there about the message that was interesting to me. And I do remember one day sitting in the pew and the priest was talking. He was reading out of John and talking about walking in the light. And even back then, stuff started to stir a little bit. So, but it wasn't until years later, when I went to live with my mom and dad, And seeing their love and experiencing their love, and then everyone at the church that was like, "Oh, this is what this really is." And but before that, I felt like I was being drawn little by little, you know, piece by piece. And then it was definitely the love of the people in that church, um, which you guys were a part of back then, that really drew me even more. (laughs)
4: <laughs> um try not to make this long because it mine's an ongoing thing also. When it started out back in the seventies when I was trapped on a cliff mm-hmm. uh, on the Pacific Ocean and um I um well I was a seven inch knife and in a forty five pound pack and uh if you know the cliffs on the Pacific coast they go straight up and I don't have really uh, backpacking skills of climbing and uh I got on a ledge at one point after going up about 75 feet, dark, the water's coming in, it's uh, hypothermia-type temperatures in the water, so you couldn't dive in the water. Um, And I just sat on a ledge, and I cried out to the Lord and told him I'd give up drinking, smoking, give it all up, and just save me, bring a helicopter in the morning and (laughs) take me up the rest of the way, because I still had another 100 and so feet to go up, another 125 feet up, and... uh, at that moment the little ledge i was sitting on started to fall out from underneath me so i turned around and by the grace of god he got me up there but then there was years of rebellion and through my wife's love for me um, it came to a point where um... i was still drinking um, i had given up the uh, i'm a vietnam veteran and i gave up the smoking of the marijuana and so forth and i said well i'll make a pact with you lord and still drinking and uh, we were going to a revival well my wife and the children were going to a revival and uh, i refused to go and i just go get my six pack of beer my wife's love for me shouting out there well the devil's got a part of your soul right now and she left i got in the car after she left said yeah and i started driving down to the beer distributor and the car turned around took me down there and all these people praying for me and i just walked to the altar call and it was just awesome when you you're talking about remembering that moment it just changed my life drastically and praise God for it mm. so you needed a rescue and then you needed a rescue <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> that's what's marvelous about this wonderful walk with him you know all our stories are different in ways but it's really the same we just all needed rescue and how God brought us there is the story that we get to share with people To encourage us. Like I said, when you share your stories. Man, I said, this is a great God we serve, isn't it? Makes me want to fall in love with him again. And again. So I think it's essential for you, for us, to remember that day. That moment. And all the other moments since then that he continues to rescue our hearts. Because, you know, that night my heart was rescued, but it still needs rescuing. Because sometimes I'm still out there riding those fences. You know what I'm saying? I am. Sometimes. Sometimes my heart goes prodigal. Even though I'm still walking the line, so to speak. It's good to remember. All right. How does seeing God as Father, a good Father, help us obey Him? How does seeing God as Father, a good Father, help us obey Him? Because that's essential here. It's how we see Father God. It really is. If you still want to answer the first question, that's fine. (laughs)
2: It enables us to trust Him. Uh, and trust, I think, is a big part of a uh, relationship with um, a loving Father. Because uh, we know when it comes time for us to do something that we don't really want to do, and we don't understand mm-hmm. what He wants us to do, uh, trusting Him helps us to do what He wants us to do because we've come to know more of His character. Mm. and the love that He has for us, we can trust that. We can't see the end from the beginning, but He does. Mm. And so we step out doing what He wants because of that, because of who He is. Um, So we can trust who He is, uh, and that helps us to love Him all the more. Mm.
0: And do we get to know Him that way better?
2: Yeah, of course, because... um, as we begin to obey um, in spite of uh, a lack of understanding, um, we see the results of that in our lives and in our circumstances, and in people's lives who were in the midst of being amongst. uh, And it just reinforces over and over and over again who he is. Um, how much he really does love us individually, not just on a corporate level, but each one individually. And even in the small things um, that uh, he works in our lives and how amazing that is, that a great and mighty God would work in the individual small things in our lives. And for me, that that speaks volumes. Um, and he talks about, you know, if you're, Faithful in the little I give you to be faithful in much, but God's willing to be faithful in the little too.
0: Amen. Which seems awfully huge to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it also says in the scriptures, you know, that uh, if you know me,
1: you will obey my commands. Knowing that love go hand in hand. You have a neighbor next door who just had their second child uh, just last week. And he was excited. So here is a father who desired to have a child. Mm. And was excited and thrilled when that child came into being. And so our God is our father. We're here. I'm here. It was intentional. Mm. We were a thought Mm. in his heart and mind. Mm. that he created and brought to life mm. and he's good and he's perfect mm. perfectly good mm. so he wants us he wanted us he thought us he spoke us into being mm. and he's good so he, he he's not up there just wanting us to do stuff then do good stuff yeah good stuff, yeah, yeah all yeah. the good stuff but i mean yes. just you know you know be you know just yeah. told a line all you have to be is what he thought you about you know mm. it's just like when you have a dog and you love a dog, all the dog's got to be is be your dog. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be anything other than what he was created to be. Mm.
3: And you know his love for us is so big that even when we do not do what he wants us to do, his love for us never ends, never goes anywhere. Awesome. It's not and I think those are the times when he wraps his arms around mm-hmm. us more tightly but we may not we may not be seeing it at that time but I believe that that's what he does
0: <laughs> I had a, I had this encounter with God one time driving home from church a different church it was late at night came, it was a leadership meeting I was coming and I was so frustrated and I felt so pressured and I was crying I was screaming I was actually screaming inside the car and I screamed this I said what do you want from me Screamed it out loud. As loud as I can in the car. Silence. Silence like you can no believe. He says, all I want is you. All I want is you. Wow. All he wants is you. That's a great Jake. That, that little girl,
1: Audrey, she can't give her father a thing. He just lavishes his love on that child. Yeah. And she can't do a thing. She can't even love him back at this point. No. Shouldn't just be. Yeah.
0: See, we keep on making this obedience thing something more than what I think God does. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. It's a no brainer equation here. Just love me. It'll work out, believe me, it's like he's saying. You'll obey me. God is not stressed out about your obedience. He's not. He's not up there worrying, boy, if I could just get these people to obey me, everything would be all right. (laughs) That's not Father's heart. I want you to know me. Because the love that I have for you is so lavish, so rich, so redeeming. You will have no problem doing what I say for you to do, being what I want you to be, and going where I want you to go. This will not be an issue whatsoever. Just love me. It'll work out. It'll work out. All right. Last question. What keeps your love for God fresh? Alive. What... What is, what is your how do you do it personally we all have something what do you think what is it that, that when you're dark light seems to be going out what do you do to go back to your first love what is it that
1: recharges that for you I'm a wanderer do you my, my, my mind goes all oh.
0: over the place. So I need some kind of structure to get my
1: mind off of the wandering. And I usually it happens to me with music. Mm. It doesn't matter what Christian music it is. Any song about God, it just brings me right back in there. So I need to put on some
0: music. Mm. That's good.
2: For me, it's his word, Jay. Uh, Every time I get into a dark place, if I get into his word, his word pierces that darkness. And he always has Mm -hmm. a specific word for me, which is Mm -hmm. (laughs) awe-inspiring when you think about it. Um, And it's life-giving. So it really just speaks to whatever it is I'm dealing with at the Mm -hmm. time. And it never, it, he never doesn't help in that way. So I find that his word really just is um, edifying and um, enlightening and correcting and uh, uplifting and energizing, and um, uh, it just gives insight uh, where you know you're searching for in the darkness for insight, and it isn't always that it's exactly what you want to hear but (laughs) it always always helps
1: for me it's it's really his love and the fact that he loved us without expecting anything in return Mm. that when he sent his son jesus to to suffer and die for us that there was there was nothing that Basically, Jesus was getting returned to him. It was just him giving his all, and how much it makes me want to give my all because he gave it all for me. Mm.
0: For me, it's nature a lot of times. Just going, especially, I mentioned this before, by water. You know, ocean is the best place for me. You know, I come alive at the ocean. More than I think any place on the planet. The lake will do. The river is fine and great. Sometimes a puddle will work for me sometimes, you know. But, you know, just to be by by water. I, I am strange. I'm sorry. These things come to my head and I must say them. But the whole point is to laugh, too. To find him in humor. To find him in a song. To find him in his word your word is a lamp unto my feet so we can see where we're going to remind ourselves of his great love nothing that we can return to him nothing that we can give to him earns any of it but he lavishes it on us over and over again even when we're not obedient even when we're not following closely his love is immense and unmeasurable it's uncontainable we can't hold it all, yet He wants to jam it, stuff it into us, so it brings us life, so we expand, that our hearts expand, and that we can drip Jesus wherever we go. Saturate us to a point that we're dripping with Jesus. See, that's what you have done by sharing your heart today. I would imagine that we're a little bit more encouraged than maybe we, were, we walked in. If we allow ourselves to be, you know, this is, a, this is a choice, folks, to allow him to love us in this manner. Sometimes I don't want him to love me so much. It's stupid, I know, but sometimes I do. Because it hurts sometimes. Because you know why? Because it smooths out those dents. Remember those dents? <laughs> I want something to dental pop. Oh, wow, wow, that hurt. But you know what? Wow, this this is the way I was supposed to be. I have a lot of dents in my head. And so when I shave my head, I always wake up the next morning and say, Well, I missed the spot, I missed the spot. (laughs) But when I let my wife shave my head, she's able to deal with the dents in more ways than you can imagine. She's able to deal with my dents and she's able to shave in them and around them and get, you know, so my head is nice and shiny and smooth and more aerodynamic. (laughs) Helps me get through life easier. What's it? Yeah, in and that's, that's the whole point about it. we make this obedience thing such a big deal. And it really, I mean, it's important. It's necessary for our relationship with God. It's needed because we need to be obedient for so many reasons. But we don't need to be obedient just so that we earn God's favor. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. no. We're obedient because we love Him. And because it sets us free. That's the reason we need it. It's about love. It is always about love. It is never about anything else more than love. For God so loved the world, He gave. He gave. He didn't take, He gave. He gave and didn't ask anything in return. All right. Thank you. You're all very brave again. Thank you. Jeremiah 24, 7 says this. I will give them a heart to know me. For I am the Lord and they will be my people. And I will be their God. For they will return to me with their whole heart. I look at that two ways. Whole heart. Everything that we had. And everything that we possibly can love him with. Everything that we can possibly give him in return is us. That's, this is it. I offer myself back to you as a living sacrifice. This is it. But with my whole heart. The heart that he's made whole. That only his redeeming blood can make Whole. This is what I offer him. My whole heart and my whole heart. Undented heart. Because now it belongs to him. All right. I'd like to share with you just a little acrostic with the word obey. Okay? Oh. Offer. This might this this may help us remember. About obedience. Okay. O is for offer. Romans 12.1 says this. And we should read it. Because I don't memorize it right now. <laughs> Let's read it. Romans 12.1. You know it. I appeal to you brothers. By the mercies of God. To present. Or to offer your bodies. As a living sacrifice. wholly acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual what? Worship. Worship is one of the ways. We fall in love with God again. That word, present or offer, means to stand beside, to be at hand, to be ready. At a moment's notice, to listen to the voice of God speaking to us and obey. But because we know him, we can offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, which is our worship. Okay, B is for believe. What do we believe? We believe that he is good. You've mentioned that. We can trust Him, right? Let's go to Psalm 119, 68. Psalm 119. 68. You are good and you do good. Teach me your statues. The word also means commandments. Okay? It also means appointment. Appointment. It's almost like this is more personal now. God has an appointment with us in order to help us obey Him because He's good. He's not just telling us to do something and then taking a step back to see if we do it. No, He has an appointment with us to help us do this. He's with us as we learn how to obey Him more. Because he's good. Oh, my time's running out. Uh. Okay, uh, E, engage. Engage in what? The mission. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Okay? Talking about the Great Commission here. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now that word observe is uh, the word that we used earlier in this series about keep. It's the same word. To guard. To watch over to make sure that we're close enough again it's, it's a proximity type of thing you've got to be close to something in order to guard it you've got to be close to something in order to watch it see God He wants us near He wants us close and He says no, look I'm with you always to the end of the earth Here, this is, you're not doing this alone you're going to obey me you're going to do the things that I that you have watched me do but I'm still here I'm still with you Okay? Wise. Yield. We want to yield to his will. To know him. Okay, let's go to Romans 6. Romans 6. Romans 6. And what did I say? 6 12 to 13. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God. So present yourselves as the same word as offer here. It's the same word to God as to those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will not have dominion over you since you are not under the law, but you are under grace. It's the same word is offered there to guard, to stay next to a proximity thing. Uh, instruments basically means tools. So God is basically asking us not to be tools, and just to be be free. Be be free. Be free because we're not under the law, but we are under grace. Okay, so obey. Obeying God and is really the best way to love Him. It is the thing that God is using to shape us, to get dents out, to get our hearts in the right place. But it's all so that we know Him more and know His heart more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these wonderful, wonderful hearts that you have redeemed. Thank you for loving us and showing us your love even more. And We ask, Father, that you would help us love you more know you more the things that you have placed inside of us music, your word, nature all the things that draw us to you that woo our hearts towards you I pray that you would increase that that our passion for you that our hunger for you that our desire for you will not end then you would increase it to a, to a boiling point, to a bubbling point, to a spilling over point. To where everywhere we go, everywhere we go, we drip your son Jesus Christ. And help us to remember that moment. That moment you spoke to our hearts and, and say, come, follow me. Help us to remember those and not, not ever forget those moments. Now bless these people. Go with them today. Encourage their hearts Speak to those places that need calling in from riding fences to be closer to your heart. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, believing that you are good. Amen.